Hello and welcome to a very happy edition for me of the CFB Winning Edge podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. You can find me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. And I am joined, as always, by Nick Allen at CFB Winning Edge and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E, if you want to follow us along on the Twitter. Nick, great bowls here, specifically the Alamo Bowl, <laughs> where Texas wins over Utah. <laughs> You know, it was uh, it was a, a nice way to to cap 2019 for a lot of folks. I'm sure. Uh, I'm I'm certainly happy for uh, my friends who are uh, Texas fans like yourself. Uh, but uh, you know, for for me personally, seeing as how that was one of our biggest edges of the bowl season, thinking Utah really had a a, a big edge there. Certainly. Uh, didn't love to see it right away, but you know, sitting back and, and thinking on it, and and uh, knowing how uh, high, basically everyone's probably going to be on Texas going into next year now. Uh, certainly, <laughs> certainly fun to think about. But then, uh, you know, as we uh, as the the clock struck midnight, wiped the st- uh, slate clean. As we're recording this, 5 p.m. Eastern time, the Rose Bowl is just about to kick off. Uh, we are perfect, two and zero in uh, the new year, twenty twenty. Got got wins uh, both on uh, Minnesota to cover and Alabama to win and cover. So uh, yeah, I agree. Happy for sure. Undefeated in twenty twenty. I like the the sound of that, Xavier. Uh, I mean, you had you got a lot of traveling in. You went to the Arizona yeah. Bowl. You saw my state. You really liked it. Uh, I mean, you you like Arizona now, right? I, I am a fan of Arizona. It's not no man's land as I originally thought it was. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I think that um, the weather was really nice, honestly, until the sun went down. Then it went all of a sudden frigid. But uh, no, Arizona was a great state. Um, the the outcome wasn't great for my team, but that aside, it was a great trip uh, regardless. And tonight, as we're recording this, I will be going to the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. So, uh-huh. uh, so we got to get this done. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were going to the Sugar Bowl, so yes, that's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. How much did that cost you? Honestly, it only cost me one hundred and seventeen dollars for wow, tickets on the fifty. Yeah, wow! Facebook Marketplace. Very nice, very nice. I couldn't. Uh, I, there were many factors of why I didn't get to go to the Cheez It Bowl this year. I wasn't able to go, uh, yeah. but uh, I mean. The, the game the game was good it was fun to watch uh, I got to see a lot of it at home but uh you know it, it wasn't like it's it wasn't as good as the previous year was bad I'll say that like it was a fine game Air Force uh, won and it was fun but uh b- before we get into uh the bowls and the performances and all that stuff Nick I mean w- what are we looking at record wise? So for the for the entire bowl season so far, uh, both straight up and against the spread, our numbers are 19 and 13. So we certainly had some underdogs that covered and then would win outright uh, that we didn't expect, but but got the the cover. So uh, th- those numbers are are uh, pretty good for us overall. Happy happy with that. Uh, looking forward to hopefully a strong finish here. Uh, breaking down our 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 key areas uh so far we're two and three 
in games where the wrong team is favored. And that, of course, is with the Rose Bowl pending. We've got Oregon in that one, as we discussed last week. So hopefully the Ducks will be able to come through and pull us even on those. And then uh, the other two, you know, so far so good. We're two and one in games uh, with two ranked teams. And we're five and two when a ranked team is playing a power five uh, opponent. So feel feel good about those so far. And uh, hopefully this uh, strong start to 2020 will carry over for, you know, at least another couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. I mean, this <laughs> is uh, it's going to be a fun, fun season. I need in my bull bash. I need uh, Desmond Ritter to have a Joe Burrow game. So if he does that, maybe I can win some money, but I'm probably not looking at money, and I am specifically blaming Central Michigan and their crappy defense mm. against San Diego <laughs> State because of it. <laughs> that was a weird laugh, Xavier. <laughs> the Xavier's, uh, I think, I think a little, uh, uh, I think you might be a little travel drunk. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely a little fatigued. Uh, I'm definitely a little fatigued here. Uh, I mean, no I'm one can blame you for that. But he said he, he flew from Tucson to Atlanta, and then drove from Atlanta to New Orleans. From so. Tucson? <laughs> you flew out of Tucson? Yeah. I thought <laughs> Tucson only went to Mexico and Phoenix, uh, honestly. I didn't know that they had a big enough airport. So, yeah, we uh, flew from Tucson to Denver, then Denver to Atlanta. So Yeah, yeah. but the, the Central Michigan let uh, San Diego State score 48 points i don't know I, i'm not that we've already gone over that game fine whatever but let's uh let's talk about the the semifinal games because uh yes. one not so much fun uh as lsu beat the tar out of oklahoma 63 to 28 not fun at all to watch unless uh you had joe burrow in your bull bash like i did when he had 493 passing yards seven touchdowns four of them to justin jefferson 14 catches, 227, and four. Uh, Curry ran because Clyde Edwards-Alaire did not play a bunch, 16 for 90. Uh, Oklahoma just were not getting it done, even on offense. I mean, CeeDee Lamb had a couple big uh, catches, and Jalen Hurts ran for a couple touchdowns, but he didn't throw one, and he did throw a pick. I mean, Nick, this was just an absolute stomping. Yeah, it, it was uh, just an incredible performance by LSU Joe Burrow I mean at this point it's it's uh it's getting ridiculous I mean he has been so good and and you know each time he just seems to be getting better and better this is I, I would have to think the best we've ever seen of Joe Burrow uh seven touchdowns almost 500 yards as you said incredible 12.6 yards per pass attempt they, you know, fortunately didn't didn't even really need Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Chris Curry really stepped up. Uh, Justin Jefferson, ridiculous. Uh, the LSU just looked absolutely unstoppable. Uh, Oklahoma, you know, it, it's it's uh, certainly unfortunate. You you would rather, or I I would rather. Uh, you hate Jaylen to see it come out. Right. <laughs> would, uh, <laughs> would like to see him go out on a, a little bit higher note. Uh, definitely a, a big fan of his, big fan of uh, watching CeeDee Lamb. And, and of, uh, of course, uh, he's now off to the NFL. So uh, wishing the best for them in the future, of course. But LSU, man, just uh, incredible, incredible performance. Very impressive across the board. And, and Xavier, I mean, I'm sure you got to see the game. It was uh, it was the Joe lacking. Burrow show, right? Yeah, it was it was awful. Um, if you're a, if you're an Oklahoma fan, um, my goodness, can can we just say that Oklahoma has been in the playoff three times and they've been blown out twice 
can we can we just go ahead and let, let talk about that for a second? Um, Oklahoma, okay. I need you guys. No, no. All no. right. If all they right. get in, go ahead. Go ahead. I go need ahead. them. If they get in, I need them to play better and to show up because they are really making that four spot look like a given uh, in the playoff at the current moment. There's a stat. I think it was. I think since the Oklahoma Georgia game. No, no, no. That the four team has not even come close to beating the one seed in any of the college football playoff games. That is not helping the cause for any kind of expansion or anything of that nature. Um, right now, that four seed needs to step up in the next playoffs because it's looking like a bad spot and a gimme for the one seed right now. I, I don't know. I feel like the uh, the four seed getting stomped lends credence to more teams because if you put in the eight seed, is the eight seed going to perform that much different than the different than the four seed at this point? So why not have a little bit more? Uh, and, uh, so that, uh, you know, we're not arguing over this four seed because you could have put Wisconsin in there. You know, if they hadn't lost to, if they hadn't lost Illinois, they, they would have been, they would have been in there. Uh, Oregon, had had a, a shot at it. I mean, there were plenty of teams in there that uh, you were placed. Maybe they would have performed a little bit better, but they didn't earn the spot. So if, if you extend it out to eight, I think, uh, you know, you can just I, I think the competition is going to be better uh, personally. But, um, you know, uh, I went over it. It wouldn't have been uh, that insane. The matchups It wouldn't have been too different. LSU would have played. Who was who was eight again, Nick? Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin is is eight. Yeah. What, what about LSU versus Wisconsin? That's a much better game, right? Absolutely could have been. Yeah. I mean, it. it you you think the way we've seen Wisconsin play defense that there there would certainly be a, a better matchup as far as giving LSU uh, some trouble offensively. Of course, you know we we really haven't seen. LSU in trouble much <laughs> offensively, especially uh, since that Auburn game. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's certainly a, a case to be made that there were better matchups uh, for sure. I, I I don't personally necessarily have an opinion on expansion or not expansion. I I think if I were to to have to choose, eight might seem seem right for me because as we've discussed before, I do think. You know, there is some um, uh, there is reason to think a, a conference championship is of importance. And I know that certainly people have strong opinions to the contrary, that it's just a, a silly designation based on geography or history or whatever. But, I, you know, I, I think that that is uh, something to there's something to be said for that as as a ticket in. And then you do give, uh, you know, an at large team potentially a group of five team, a chance. Uh, so I, I think that I would side to, to eight, but the system we have right now is it's fine. And, and uh, certainly the four seed, as Xavier mentioned, hasn't been competitive of late, but you know, the very first time, if, if memory serves, Ohio state was a four seed and, and won the thing. So um, that now one you know, and three it, have happened. never won. And that's who's playing by the way, one verse three now. So, which is weird that the, the four and two seeds are the only ones that have won. So I think it's been, it was the four seed for Ohio state and every other year it's been the two who have, because right. Bama and Clemson flipped, you know, being one mm-hmm. and two. Right. So right. Uh, very strange that one and three are the only ones that won. But I mean, uh, look, I'm up. Uh, I want to make it like the March madness. You know, I, I'm up 42? for uh, yeah, 64. Let's do all of them. <laughs> I, I'm fine. You know, uh, but I, I think a eight 
is great. I think a 16 would ruffle a lot of feathers. Um, I mean, if you've read Death to the BCS, uh, have you guys read that book? They, they, not. they it's it's. I think I might have a, a while back, but it's not really. Uh, it's not, I'm not really. Yeah, I'm not really. I'm not really recalling exactly the. De- Death, Death to the BCS is a book setting up a 16 team tournament and it's uh, it's it's a convincing read I, I would say you know it's okay, uh, cool. every conference championship plus uh uh I think it's that would be five or at the at that point it'd be five uh at large bids something in that nature so mm-hmm. um I, I I I like that system but uh regardless we have what we have now and it's better than what it was one versus two based on opinion i'd rather have one versus four even if the four seed is getting stomped uh but i tell you what the other game was an all-time classic uh clemson and ohio state and this was uh pretty much too close to call uh the the line was two clemson winds up winning by six 29 23 and there are a lot of crybabies, by the way, Justin <laughs> Herbert just scored. Uh, there are a lot yes. of crybabies about the uh, the fumble that I believe it was Akuda picked up and ran into the end zone, and they blew the mm-hmm. whistle, and they didn't count it, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, look, was it a huge play? Was it momentum swinging? Absolutely. But, the you know, Ohio State had time to come back and still win that game. Well, they had plenty play. of chances, too. Right. You, They, they blew three Red zone trips, I mean, you don't you, you don't get that many opportunities in the first half against a Brett Venable defense and not come away with points and hope to continue that kind of role, right? Um, and that's and that's what they did, um, and, and they didn't capitalize. And the only people they have to blame is themselves. My right. dad always says, "Never leave the game in the hands of the stripes because they'll always give it away." He's also a Saints fan, so that's a little biased. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> well, I'm I I I got sick. I've always been sick of people complaining about the referees because my uncle used to do that all the time. Like he was a guy that didn't know enough about football. He he was the where's the flag? That that, that was him. Where's the flag? Anytime uh, a bad play happened against his Cowboys, uh, you know that that was kind of his thing. And also, you know, being a Steelers fan and watching Super Bowl Forty, and there were a couple bad calls in that game. I'll, I'll absolutely admit that, but there were three. Two were on Seattle. One was on Pittsburgh. So, uh, really bad, egregious calls in that game. That doesn't make you. That doesn't reverse an entire game. That's dumb to think that. So, Nick, what was your your thoughts on uh, Clemson beating Ohio State here? Well, I think Xavier made a really good point about uh, missed opportunities in the red zone, and and uh, you know, there's the the saying you don't you don't win games with field goals, and and you certainly. Uh, if you're trying to pull an upset, and, and Ohio State technically was was the underdog, even though they uh, have arguably been the best team in the country at certain points this year, but uh, they they drove into the red zone multiple times and had to settle for field goals, and and that's certainly uh, a point toward Clemson's, uh, you know, in, in in their favor, but it's also uh, a missed opportunity for Ohio State for sure, and and if you're going to beat, you know, what now is is uh, the, the premier uh, program in college football, uh, you, you can't just settle for three points when you have an opportunity to score, especially against a, a defense that's been so good all year. Uh, I, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's certainly always unfortunate when officiating is is at the center 
of a conversation. I mean, it, you know, those those folks have very difficult jobs. You know, I, I'm not somebody to, to jump on an official or a commentator or any, anything like that. Um, but, you know, it, you, you certainly don't like to see it at the center of the conversation. And, and that uh, uh, you guys didn't mention, but the, the targeting call on the, you know, that knocked Trevor Lawrence yeah. out for a game, that that really did, if, if you believe in momentum, it seemed like that was sort of the shift in the game. Because from that point... Ohio State looked pretty much uh, unstoppable, and, and Clemson couldn't really get going. And, and then that helped extend the drive, and, and Clemson was able to uh, really sort of get back in it. And if you let Clemson hang around, you know, Trevor Lawrence has proven he's, he's a very, very, uh, uh, you know, just an excellent quarterback. And, and they've got weapons all over the field. Travis Etienne, you know, anytime he gets the ball in space, has got a chance to score, and and they were able to come up with some big plays, and the defense was also able to to come up with some some stops, some important. You know, they picked off uh, Justin Fields twice. He had thrown what one interception coming in, maybe one or two, and so right. overall, incredible performance. It really lived up to my expectations. That, that was a game I was uh, probably more excited to watch than any uh, that I had. You know been been waiting for all year so uh happy to you know happy to watch it happy to see it hate that officiating is part of the conversation but you know that happens ohio state it's been a long time it's been 20 years or whatever but uh they won a national championship basically after a a blown call uh so you know it's it's (laughs) something that you know things are cyclical things come and go so uh, unfortunately, they were on the wrong end of this time. They'll they'll be oh. on the right end on it again in in the future. But um, you know, Clemson. Crookshank. Sorry, Crookshank just brought, <laughs> brought a kickback. So uh, oh, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm getting always, a little hyped. You're here. always uh, like ten seconds ahead of me. I I don't know why why it is. I'm on a, a stream, but they're get just now getting uh, ready to kick off. But uh, but anyway, spoiler yeah. alert. Congrats sorry. <laughs> No, no problem. Uh, congrats to Clemson and, and uh, great performance for them and uh, excellent season for Ohio State as well. Just came up a little short this time. So we're gonna we're gonna go over the national title game for a lot of the next show. But uh, right now the opening line is LSU by five and a half. Sixty nine and a half is the over. Um, do you have the line as it stands right now, uh, Nick? I do. Yeah, and. and you know, if you if you were listening last week when we talked about how Clemson was our number one team, that certainly shouldn't be a surprise that we actually have Clemson favored, and and uh, it's by about three and a half points. So at at this point, all things you know, unless something crazy were to happen over the next couple of weeks, we have a, a pretty big uh, discrepancy between our number and and the odds makers, and and uh, LSU was absolutely incredibly impressive and they certainly got a a big bump i think clemson was about a seven and a half point favorite i think we might have talked about that at some point uh over lsu according to our numbers heading into last uh the last week's games but they were able to close that gap a little bit but but we're just very high on clemson um and lsu perhaps we've been too low on them all year uh, so it wouldn't shock me by any stretch if they were able to win the game. But at this point, you know, unless we see some major injuries or, or anything like that, it seems that uh, we're going to have Clemson uh, favored to win. So uh, that that's the early, you know, just our early line. We'll dig deeper, as you mentioned, 
uh, into more matchups and things like that that sometimes get a little overlooked uh, when we just put numbers into the into the formula. But uh, yeah, right now Clemson we have a, a has about a, a field goal and a half favorite. Xavier, what are you, what are your initial thoughts on the national title game? It's for me. It, it's which quarterback can get started early on. Um, I think that whoever gets started, I don't think Clemson can start the way they did last week. I don't think it's possible for them to do that with the defense or with the offense that obviously LSU is going to bring to the field. That's one explosive offense. But I do think that uh, the odds makers are looking at the way that uh, last year's game with Clemson and Alabama set up as to a reason why Clemson may be the favorite. Last year, Alabama came in with this prolific offense and got mollywhopped. Um, and I think that there has to be something to said that these kids have been there before and they've been in a situation where probably to them, they feel like the underdogs, you know, Vegas may not have it as such, but well, Dabo's making, yeah, yeah. Dabo's making them feel like they're the underdogs. Exactly. Well, and they are, I mean, they're, you know, I, I think that, uh, probably what, what I, I, I was a little surprised when the line came out because some of the, the, there are a couple of books that I, uh, have followed one of them circa that's, that's been really, uh, sort of, forthcoming this year as far as getting lines out early they're a, a market setter that sort of stuff and, and they've actually posted their power ratings at different points uh, over the course of the year and and it seemed that uh, I think they've got two uh, two handicappers and, and they kind of collaborate to come up with a, a line and, and leading up to this game it, it appeared that one had Clemson number one, and I think one had LSU number one. But if you were to, to uh, take the average, Clemson would have been a little higher, and, and I think that's that's what they did. So I was I was surprised that they made LSU uh, a five or four. I think it opened at four, you said, and then has has jumped up. But I think that's a market thing because you know if, if you were following along on Twitter during the game, everybody was just you know, gushing about LSU and deservedly so. Right. How they were just stoppable and and this and that. And so I think that it's I think this might be the rare case where maybe some of the the books uh gave and, and maybe it's not too rare. Maybe I'm I'm speaking out of turn here. I don't know. But but I I think that that number to me said, okay, the market is really high on LSU. Yeah. So let's Let's push it as much as we can. So, so you know, I I don't feel you know. Sometimes if if I mean this honestly is one of the biggest you know wrong team favor differences we've had all year. There's a nine and a half point difference between our number and the market number, and normally that would make me very nervous. You know, what have I got wrong? But I feel pretty confident in, in my number. You know, Clemson has been a deserved number one team, in my opinion. And if I were just eyeballing it, I might say that these teams are, are pretty much even. I would not say LSU is about a touchdown favorite. So, you know, normally I'd think, OK, what am I missing? And I certainly could be wrong. I mean, LSU could they've been blowing out everybody recently. They could they could just have maybe this is the year and they just they go in and, and they uh put up a, an excellent performance and, and win by two touchdowns certainly could happen. But at, at this, you know, as things stand right now, I feel pretty good about our number. I, I think that there is value on Clemson. If you were, 
you know, betting, you know, this game, I, I think that uh, there's, there's, I, I think six is too high for sure. I, I think, you certainly win, I think they're too high. I think most, most people who follow college f- football are picking Clemson. Ev- pretty much everybody I've talked to is picking Clemson. I, I think I'm, slightly leaning towards LSU and uh let let me let me know what you think about this factor too and and if if it's put into the numbers it is basically a home game for the Tigers that's a good point that's a good point it's in New Orleans so that's true and perhaps I should right now I have it as a neutral field I probably should give some home field advantage to LSU but even then if I gave them a full Two and a half points. I'd still have Clemson favored. Right, right. They'd be favored by one point three, which you know, basically a coin flip. Uh, but that's still a lot different than six. So uh, you're you're certainly right, and and uh, that is that's a great point. That's something that I'm sure the odds makers did put into to their number. But I I think that uh, the bulk of the difference is is uh, market driven. I think yes, that I think you're hundred percent right on that because I'm, we, we see it in the NFL all the time. The more popular team, a lot of the time, gets uh, favored. You know, when uh, uh, Dallas will play pretty much anyone, uh, even if you, you're going. Dallas is bad. They were favored against Philly a couple weeks ago, and I was like, how? They haven't been playing very well. It's because they know people will bet on the Cowboys. People will yeah. bet on the Yankees. People will bet on the Lakers. And Vegas knows this. And after seeing Joe Burrow score eight touchdowns on national TV when a lot of bettors aren't paying attention the whole year, they're just paying attention to what is happening this second and seeing a much lower scoring game between Ohio State and Clemson, I think uh, you know Heisman winner just scored eight touchdowns. Blah blah blah. We can get we can get points and have LSU favored, and people will bet on it. Uh, it's it's a smart thing for Vegas to do, and you're a hundred percent right that it's uh, that it's definitely market driven. So, uh, I, so I think I, it's way closer. Absolutely. I did just make a slight adjustment. I gave LSU one and a half points for home field advantage. That's, you know, that's fair. It, it's, yeah, it's a hundred miles from there, but it's going to be a pro LSU cl- uh, crowd. They, they played there a few times. So that, that brings our number to Clemson uh, basically two and a quarter. So uh, for anybody out there that that's what we'll do for, for this time. But yeah, I don't, I don't expect, you know, unless, uh, unless something just completely unforeseen happens, yeah, we're going like to have Clemson favored in this game. Yeah. I just don't see any any like if if Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne came down with just horrible food poisoning and couldn't play, then LSU <laughs> would be favored. <laughs> right, because they're both hundred rated <laughs> players, and those positions count pretty high in our numbers. So that that would swing it for sure. But beyond that, I mean. Uh, we just Clemson's going to be favored, and, and according to our numbers, and we're we've been wrong a lot, certainly. But, but you know, that's uh, that's just that's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, it's going to be it's going to be a fun game, and we'll, we're going to break it down position by position, everything uh, next week because it'll be the only game left on the board. So uh, let's go back and take a look at uh, some of these games here. I'm going to go through the score, and if you guys have a couple, uh, you know, quick hits on this, quick Nick hits on this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> then throw them out here. But in the Hawaii Bowl, Hawaii wins 38 to 34. Um, I know you have something to say about this one, Nick, because you're a huge mm-hmm. Hawaii fan. 
<laughs> I, I do have a, a soft spot for the Rainbow Warriors, and, and it was good to see Hawaii be able to come back and, and win this game. We had BYU favored, but we actually had Hawaii to cover. Uh, it was it was very close, this number. But, hey, Cole McDonald comes out, has one of his best games of the year, almost 500 yards, four touchdowns. He only got benched once, which, you know, for, for him has <laughs> been, been pretty good. Wow. For, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's crazy just the the numbers they put up, but he just hasn't been. You know, sometimes it, the the offense just sort of hits a little bit of a, a speed bump for for whatever reason. And and head coach Nick Rolovich, you know, he he sees that and responds pretty quick. And and to his credit, a lot of times. So uh, McDonald looked good. Uh, Hawaii ten wins, incredible year. For them, uh, I certainly expected them to, to take a step back uh, after, you know, last year they really overachieved and, and this year they just they've kept it going. Uh, interested to see. I, there was some, a little bit of chatter uh, about McDonald saying he wasn't sure if he's coming back. I'm guessing that means maybe he's considering the NFL, which to me would be uh, very surprising. Yeah. So so it, the, the way I first read it and, and just sort of. Because I've thought Chevin Cordero could take this job uh, pretty much all year. I thought, and for a little while, it looked like he was going to. So I think that you know, just total speculation here that McDonald potentially could be like a grad transfer type guy. Um, That's what I'm saying. So that that I I think there may be a chance of that, but he's put up such huge numbers, and and I know early in the year some. Some guys that are, are NFL draft guys were super excited to watch him play and all that sort of stuff, but I don't, I don't see it. I'm not a, I'm not an NFL draft guy uh, at this point. So, so you know, maybe they're seeing something I don't. But uh, anyway, we can get all into that in, in the off season. <laughs> uh, great win for Hawaii, and and uh, you know, defense came up big when they needed it in the second half, and and uh, and uh, absolutely, ten wins, great year. Uh, the quick lane ball, Eastern Michigan loses to Pitt 34-30. Pitt scored a touchdown with, like, I think 50 seconds left and uh, mm-hmm. put the, the finishing on that one. Louisiana Tech shut out Miami 14-zip to zip in the Independence Bowl. This game was ridiculous. Miami has no – like, I don't know what to do there. You have to pick a quarterback and stick with him. They had all three of the guys play in this game. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Even Tate Martell, who had been playing at wide receiver for whatever reason. What the hell are they doing on offense, Nick? It's – well, whatever it was, they're not doing it anymore. Danny Oost got fired, you know, basically before the game. News came out that he was he, – unless something just crazy – unforeseen happened that he was going to be gone and they just couldn't couldn't get it going this year and you're right i mean uh, musical quarterbacks which uh had been an issue the previous year i mean we were we were talking about nikosi perry and and uh uh rosier were you know back and forth who's it going to be can't you know really get a feel either one of them for the offense and, and it's carried over into this year and injuries you played, I think a little bit bigger role this year, but uh, yeah, just, just weren't able to get going. Uh, Miami certainly has some questions. I mean, I, I think they've got a lot coming back next year. So I think they're going to be a team that's pretty high in our ratings. I, they might sneak into the top 25 even, uh, which makes me, you know, absolutely uh, I'm, I'm very scared by that because, <laughs> you know, the, the eye test just, they have not looked good this year, and especially 
down the stretch. I mean, three straight losses, and, and they were favored in all three games. Uh, First-year head coach, there's certainly some growing pains there, and, and hopefully they'll be able to, to get a good play caller in. But I certainly have some questions about Miami. They're going to be a fascinating team to watch in the future. But, hey, kudos to Louisiana Tech, 10-3 and three, uh, after they lost to, to Texas in the season opener, uh, won every game that their starting quarterback and, and their top receiver were available for. Those guys, including a, as well as a defensive player, were suspended for two games, which they lost late in the year. But excellent year for them. Uh, and and the other, you know, Pitt, they were losing the whole game. Uh, but, you know, get a win there at the end. Uh, good good win for them. Nice to, to finish on a high note. Unfortunate for Eastern Michigan. They weren't able to get that in, in a semi-home field environment. Would have been a big win for them. But, uh, yeah, good good way to uh, end the season for Pitt and they've got a lot of guys that decided to come back that that might have an opportunity for the NFL draft so good news for them as well uh going over Nick to- was being nice <laughs> <laughs> Nick was being nice Miami sucked like they're <laughs> bad they played three quarterbacks who threw for a combined 153 yards and two INTs that's awful it's not I good. mean that is just that is just downright pedestrian. I know middle schoolers who go for that in a peewee game. That is just bad. Uh, I am hoping that Miami can get get it together because football is always better when Miami's a good team. And how about get Cole McDonald? Got, how about get somebody? Like, <laughs> Scott, you got an arm? I mean, let, let's let's see what they. What, I, I'm what more you of a fullback. So <laughs> much more of a fullback. Uh, not very good hands either, but uh, I'll throw a block. So it's fine. <laughs> um, let's go to the games on the 27th. Uh, Miami's pathetic. They got a lot of work to do. Uh, the military ball, Sam Howell in North Carolina, pound oh temple, 55 to 13. I mean, uh, just huge, huge uh, potential for Sam Howell moving forward in North Carolina. Uh, having a fantastic year. Uh, Michigan State over Wake Forest 27-21 in the Pinstripe Bowl. Uh, you know, yes. it was Lewerke, a nice nice game to end for Lewerke. And Jamie Newman seems like he's going to be on his way out, Nick. And all the rumors are he might be going to Oregon to replace Justin Herbert. That would be huge. That'd be very interesting. And and talking about how it scares me that I have a feeling Miami's going to be close to that top 25. I also have a feeling USC is going to be our highest rated Pac-12 team. So Jamie Newman going to Oregon would uh, perhaps save me from that potential embarrassment. So uh, pretty uh, I, that that intrigues me. But yeah, Jamie Newman. How about that? That That's going to be one to watch. There's the transfer portal and, and some of these especially uh, senior quarterback, grad transfer quarterback is going to make for for some interesting off-season discussion for sure. Absolutely. In the Texas Bowl, A&M uh, beats Oklahoma State 24-21. It wasn't really uh, that close of a game. Chuba Hubbard had a nice game potentially on his way out. Uh, and then we found out that uh, I believe Deshaun Corbin is going to be transferring uh, back to Florida State. So, uh, Taylor Wallace there. is back. Yep. And yeah. Tylen Wallace is going to return Tylen for Wallace. his senior year. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense because this draft class is super deep as far yeah. as wideout goes. 
and he's coming off the ACL, so he's going to be buried. So if he can prove himself into 2021, which should be another really good wideout class, but uh, perhaps he can make some money coming back to play for Oklahoma State. Right, Nick? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm I'm really excited about Oklahoma State, and uh, it seems like Hubbard is, is going to be gone, but uh, I know during the, the conversation that the – uh, broadcasters had during the game, uh, LD Brown, they, they were saying might be just as fast. That seems, uh, ridiculous to me. <laughs> but, <laughs> it might be unrealistic, uh, but he's very fast. But, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's exciting. Cause I mean, Hubbard kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I remember, uh, being super excited about, uh, was it justice Hill? Was that his name? Yeah. Justice uh, Hill, right before him. And then, you know, was, was thinking he was, uh, so incredible. And then Hubbard, uh, just kept, taking carries away from him and, and, you know, maybe Brown steps in and, and he's just, you know, a plug and play type guy, but Oklahoma state has a lot coming back as well. And, and I think that they are going to be uh, a legitimate contender in the big 12, certainly a long way to go uh, before we, we know for sure, but I, I'm pretty high on Oklahoma state and, and I'm pretty high, unfortunately <laughs> on uh, Texas A&M, their defense, oh. they lost, uh, stud up front, uh, <laughs> and, and they've, they've lost one receiver uh, to the NFL draft. But uh, it looks like nine starters probably coming back on defense, and, and they're going to get Baylor like, Cup back, the big, yeah. the big, big tight end recruit. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. lots of promise so, for A&M. I, I uh, will uh, begrudgingly admit uh, <laughs> a lot of talent there in the Holiday Bowl. Iowa pounds USC forty nine to twenty four. Uh, that game wasn't really that close. And then Air Force over Washington State in the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, 31-20. Look at that, 52 points. That's an amazing mm-hmm. Cheez-It Bowl. I had 17 last year. So uh, <laughs> very, very uh, good, good game for Air Force there. I love to see Mike Leach lose. Oh, God, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I love Mike Leach. You I, admire I Mike, Mike Leach? Leach. Oh, I love Mike Leach, honestly. Uh, but I was going to say, so JT Daniels is coming back to compete for his starting spot at USC, correct? Yes, that was, that's the uh, last ever. Okay, cool. All right. I know there were rumblings that he may be leaving and then right before the bowl game, or not right before the bowl game, but then they obviously he announced that he was coming back, but everybody wasn't so sure he was certain about that situation. So I don't know. I don't uh, think he should, just trying to, to be honest. I think Slovis has kind of earned that I think job. that's Slovis's job, yeah. So, yeah. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems that way. Everything I've heard, uh, I, you know, read, heard uh, or have seen uh, in print some of uh, Graham Harrell's, uh, just, just his thoughts on Slovis and seems very, very high on him. And Slovis has had the full year in that new system daniels uh unfortunately you know out in the in the season opener so uh, at this point slovis just from a knowledge standpoint and, and a rep standpoint you think probably has a, a huge head start on the starting job for next year um it'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out i'm, I'm very interested to see how uh the switch at, at defensive coordinator plays out because USC as as I said is going to be very high in our power ratings in the preseason uh and they've got a lot coming back like Texas that we'll talk about later that uh, injuries played a, a big role especially on defense and and then with a new play caller uh they had an offensive 
change at offensive coordinator last year seemed to work. Change at defensive coordinator this year. If it works, USC could be dangerous. They're certainly uh, going to be the most talented team on the field against pretty much everybody they play. So uh, if they can get the most out of that talent, they're going to be dangerous. Uh, as far as Air Force and Washington State, uh, super impressed with Air Force this yeah, year. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this is the best season I've ever seen from Air Force, right? They, they've been excellent, very, very good. And, and one thing, uh, not necessarily the, the game itself, but one Air Force has been somewhat top of mind for me this year a lot because uh, I, I had a feeling they were going to be good, but it really wasn't reflected in our numbers. And, and I've said often, if you've listened to us before, that the very first ingredient is uh, recruiting ratings and Air Force gets two star guys. That's just what it is. You know, they, they bring in about 60 of them, but they bring in two star guys and, and sprinkle in the occasional three star guy. So there's just not going to, well, those guys be are more interested in being in the air force than playing yeah. football. Right. Right. And, yeah. and it's a system thing. It's a coaching thing. I mean, Troy Calhoun is, is very high in our head coach rating. So they do get a bump and then T performance, they get a bump, but they're just dragged down by, roster strength so uh one i'm gonna maybe address you know putting in uh for certain teams like an air force like an army a navy uh anybody else that may or may not run the triple option and mike leach in some ways falls into this category hawaii they run you know the run and shoot nobody else runs it certain certain teams that do a very specific system a very rare you know, uh, a team might see it once all year. The, I think I might turn the knobs a little bit and and put coaching uh, to put it a bigger weight because I think that 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 does override talent for those programs. It certainly doesn't do it for everyone. It's it's an off season discussion, but but I've I've been thinking about that and, and I, you know, what can I do to capture. Air Force or Navy or, or somebody like that uh, a little bit better. Should I try to address it? I don't know. Uh, should I just not mess with it and, and just sort of say, <laughs> well, maybe don't don't trust us when we're talking about Air Force or Navy because we've got you know whoever else favored because their you know roster strength is so low. I don't know. But uh, great great performance by Air Force all year. They've been uh, just just great. One of the best uh military academies that we've seen in, in a long time in navy i mean the both of them this year have just been incredible yeah i mean navy was one of the two losses for air force it was navy and boise state so those are the only two losses they quality had. losses yeah and they beat a you know a, a high powered offensive team in washington state which is not something that you would see especially in uh today's age of football where the offense gets the edge especially in officiating so uh, going over to Saturday, the 28th, we talked about the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl already. We had two other games here. The Cotton Bowl, which, of course, w- was 53-39. to 39. Penn State sco- <laughs> uh, scored 53 points in this game. Uh, just a crazy, crazy game. Journey Brown went absolutely nuts. And the Camping World Bowl, where Notre Dame beat down Iowa State 33-9. to nine. Uh, What did you guys see in uh, those games? Well, I, you said it. I mean, Journey Brown was was very impressive. Uh, Memphis certainly gave Penn State fits all day. Uh, the Nittany Lions uh, basically answered every 
you know, every punch they had a had a counter punch, and and that was uh, impressive. The the running back position at Penn State is is just so deep, and it's it's super interesting because you never really know which one's going to jump out and, and have a huge game. Today was Journey Brown. I thought middle of the year Noah Kane was going to be that guy, but he got a little banged up. Uh, Ricky Slade is is the highest rated recruit was a five-star guy hasn't quite lived up to expectations he's shown flashes i actually am really really hopeful that he can maybe uh transition into playing a similar role that kj hamler played and, and of course he's moved on uh moving on to the nfl draft so i think that that might be a way to get all those guys or, or you know multiple on the field at the same time because they've just got so much talent at that position they're going to be a fun team to watch and then uh how about michael parsons man like he is he is uh we're going to be talking about him next year like we were talking about chase young this year he's just uh incredibly fun to watch sideline to sideline guy you can, he's just the most talented player on the field anytime he steps on it and and uh we're going to get to to talk about him an awful lot moving forward notre dame big win uh i i until they had two guys declare for the nfl draft although he, uh gilman the safety and then running back Tony Jones, even though they do have some depth uh, at running back with uh, Jafar Armstrong, um, they were looking like a preseason top five team in our ratings. So that makes me nervous. Oh. But it's probably going to come down to like seven or eight with those two guys gone, maybe. Uh, but who knows? And if Cole Komet, uh, the tight end there, if, if he does declare – uh, do sort of a reversal. There seems to be some some uh, thought that he might uh, jump after saying that that he wasn't last month. But uh, impressive performance, Iowa State. I know has been a, a trendy team for you know an upset pick all year. They're certainly always capable. Matt Campbell's done a terrific job there, and, and they're a better team than their record showed. But Notre Dame just just came out and controlled this game uh, from the get go. Very impressive. Uh, going over to the games that happened on the 30th, we had the first responder bowl. Now, I didn't get to see this, but uh, Western Kentucky wins 23-20, to and they hit a last-second field goal to close it out. And I believe they had the opportunity because of two 12-men-in-the-huddle calls against Western Michigan in a row. Is that right? Uh, you might be right. For some reason, that that's not registering with me. I had this game on. I was a, a little bit distracted, but it, uh, you certainly could be right about that. And uh, the, my biggest takeaway from this game was Lucky Jackson. I mean, 17 receptions, absolutely incredible. And WKU lost to an FCS team in the season opener. <laughs> and first-year head coach, his first game, and it was just sort of like, oh, well, you know, here we go. And they come out, win nine games, cap it off with a bowl win. Uh, a great way, great way to win it. I was I, Maybe I wasn't paying as close of attention because uh, I had Western Michigan winning this game outright, <laughs> upset they were one of our wrong team favorites. So maybe I was just in a, in a bad headspace at the moment and missed – uh, missed the penalties there, but uh, well, I know there was at uh, least one. There, I think they might have got called for it twice. I didn't see the end of it, and that there was, was one at the end of regulation on a hail mary, and uh, actually the game was called off, and they went back and recounted uh, how many people oh, were on the right. field. Oh my uh, god! The, 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 the court, 
yeah, the quarterback was walking down the middle of the field. Um, I'm looking at it right now. The quarterback was walking down the middle of the field. And he like is holding up the number 12 with his fingers. And the ref goes, hmm, uh-huh. okay, let's go back and check that. Um, they go back and check it, and there was 12 men on the field. And then he hits a 52-yard field goal to win it. Western Kentucky. Right. Yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a crazy, crazy win for Western Kentucky. But, uh, you know, great defense the whole year and uh, really showed up here because Western Michigan's offense has been uh, pretty good over the last few years, specifically. You kept Levante Bellamy in check. Yeah, yeah. Bellamy ran for uh, 60 yards on 18 carries, 3.3 yards. I mean, that's tough to do. He, he ran rough shot over a bunch of people this season. The Red Box Bowl. Cal beats Illinois 35 to 20. I mean, we had this one as the most likely to be the cheese it ball. And it was a fantastic (laughs) performance by Cal on both sides of the ball. They were very good. Chase Garber specifically uh, was big in that one. The music city bowl Louisville over Mississippi state 38, 28. I don't really think it was even that close either. And Florida over uh, Virginia in the orange bowl, 36 to 28. All right. Any thoughts on these games? (laughs) I hear Xavier's ready. (laughs) I'd like to say something about the Virginia game. I was so pleasantly surprised by the way Virginia came out and played that game. Uh, Because I genuinely, yeah, and and, and that's what me and Nick kind of talked about in the last episode. We really wanted to see Perkins kind of, you know, against a good pass rush, against what has been, you know, vaunted as a pretty good secondary, Um, even though they were missing a couple guys who declared for the draft. Bryce Perkins had a good night. Uh, you know, he he kept the ball out of harm's way up until the last second, the last drive for Virginia, which really kind of put the nail in the coffin for them. Uh, but they played a good football game. I think they had some, you know, like I said, they had some some costly turnovers that really, you know, put a damper on their on and then some poor tackling as well um, on P. Ryan. And we'll get to him in a second. He had a, a career night, which, you know, when you have 138 yards and that's your career high. That just tells you how bad of a team Florida is running the football. But um, <laughs> Bryce Perkins definitely, his, his draft stock definitely took a, a jump for me, going 323 yards, four TDs, and one interception against a Florida defense that has played well in pretty much every game except for LSU. So, absolutely. What did you think of these ones, Nick? Uh, well, it, it was good to see Florida – be able to run the football uh, for sure. And, and uh, Xavier is absolutely right. That was a, a major uh, concern all year for Florida. But, you know, P. Ryan came out at, a, at an excellent game. Uh, I think he certainly helped his, his draft stock. Bryce Perkins, I'm, I'm a little, I mean, great game, great career, uh, so much fun to watch and, and seems like a really good guy as well from everything I can, t- I can tell. Came over, uh, you know, ton of adversity with a, a broken neck three years ago, which is just incredible to be able to come and play at this high level. Uh, unfortunately, I think uh, from the, the quarterback position, just his, his arm strength, his command isn't there, uh, but he's, he's dynamic, you know, maybe, maybe he can uh, fill a role somewhere. Certainly hope he, he gets a shot. Um, but uh, as for the other games, the, 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 the biggest takeaway for me, I think uh, Cal offensively, you said it, Scott, I mean, Chase Garbers, they've been a different team with him at quarterback this year. He missed some time uh, with injuries in the middle of the season that uh, really sort of uh, kept them from perhaps uh, really having a, a special year. Uh, if, if he's able to be healthy moving forward and, and uh, they have a change in offensive coordinator coming as well, maybe this is a glimpse of uh, the Cal team that we could see in 2020. Who knows? Uh, that's That's been really their only – 
concern. I mean, they're they're losing a lot on defense, but uh, Justin Wilcox is a defensive coach. I, I feel that he's going to have that unit, you know, coached up and ready to go next year. But uh, Cal's going to be an intriguing team if if they can put some points up, uh, they'll be dangerous. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, they're, they're just they're they're way more fun to watch when they have an offense. I mean, they've they've kind of been known for their defense. Cal has, but uh, Chase Garber just makes them Garber just makes makes them a different team. Now the games yesterday, uh, we had the Belk Bowl, thirty-seven to thirty. Kentucky wins this game over Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, we talked about Lynn Bowden uh, going into this game. He actually got in a fight before this game, uh, punched somebody in the face, but it was over an hour before kickoff, and refs don't have anything to do with anything on the field until an hour before kickoff. So I that, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that was the big talking point they had. They were they were uh, going through yesterday is why no one was booted from this game is because you know the the refs don't get out there until an hour before kickoff. Then they have full jurisdiction of anything that happens. Anything that goes on before that is up to the team. So Bowden punched somebody in the face. Uh, you know, uh, didn't get uh, kicked out or anything. Uh, of this game and was able to stay and had an enormous game in Virginia Tech wins uh, the Sun Bowl. This was the cheese it Bowl of 2019 right here or 2020. <laughs> um, Arizona State beats Florida State 20 to 14. Just you know, ASU was missing Benjamin and missing Ayuk. Jaden Daniels still had a decent game, and Florida State is just looking for a spark at quarterback because. Uh, Blackman isn't getting it done there. Uh, Navy beats uh, Kansas State in the Liberty Bowl, twenty to seventeen. That was a really good game for Malcolm Perry, leading Navy to victory with a walk-off field goal with two seconds left in the game. Uh, great one for them, and uh, unfortunately for Xavier, Wyoming big over Georgia State, thirty-eight to seventeen in the Arizona Bowl in Tucson. So. Uh, your thoughts on, uh, and then, of course, I mean, I just have it up here at the top. We've already talked about it, but my Longhorns beat the number 11 ranked Utah Utes 38 to 10 in that game. Joseph Asai was the huge star for the Longhorns, a linebacker. So what, what are you, um, what were your thoughts for the, from the games, uh, yesterday, Nick? Well, uh, the, uh, really the, the first three, the early games were just, fun to watch. I mean, even, even the Sun Bowl, believe it or not, I, I thought at certain times was, was fun to watch. It was certainly like a car crash earlier, I guess. That, that, that Tamarian just couldn't really catch and run was look away. awesome, right? That it was. Absolutely. Uh, you're right. I mean, the quarterback situation there is, is going to be interesting. Are they going to start a true freshman? Are they going to bring in a grad transfer? I mean, I, I certainly liked what I've seen from uh, Travis and Spurts just coming off the bench uh, has been electric as a runner, but uh, he got banged up during the game and, and that slowed him down and, and passing uh, so far just hasn't, he hadn't really uh, been super impressive throwing the football, but Blackman, I mean, his demeanor on the sideline late in the game just was, Four uh, picks. It, oh man. I mean, and, and certainly that can, that can put somebody in a, in a very, uh, tough headspace, but he looked like he was just defeated at the end of the game. And, and uh, that's just, you know, you, you can't really have a quarterback that, that looks like that on the sideline, just dropping his head, having to get a pep talk from a, an offensive lineman, uh, a guy who is a transfer coming in, by the way, you know, Blackman has been a starter for this team 
uh, two out of the last three years has been there for three years and, and to, to have to have somebody who this is his, you know, first go round have to kind of get you to, to pick your head up. I mean, I, I, I don't like to read too much into, you know, when I'm sitting at home and these guys on the sidelines, what are they thinking? What are they saying? All that sort of stuff. I, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but to me just, you know, gave me a little bit of a funny feeling and, and makes me think that uh, they certainly don't have, you know, Blackman might not be the guy there. And unfortunately, I, I had pretty high hopes for him coming into the year. But um, Malcolm Perry, man, would, would love to watch him <laughs> any day. It just so, so uh, elusive as a runner. Uh, him being the full-time quarterback this year has been night and day. Uh, they talked about it during the broadcast, you know, Kidney Amatololo has, has said he doesn't know what he was thinking last year. We're trying to, trying to, uh, move Perry to, to slot back and, and he's just been, uh, incredible, um, excited for, for his future as well. Hopefully he gets an opportunity and, and a very similar player in a lot of ways, Lynn Bowden, just what he did this year, stepping up, being a, basically a single wing quarterback, uh, incredible, you know, to, to have a, your starting quarterback returning kicks, the opening kickoff, returning a punt late in the game. I mean, that's high school stuff, right? But it's, it's fun, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I love it. Anytime we can see somebody who's just, he's the best player on the field. So you just have to get in the ball as, as much as possible. And, uh, you know, he certainly had some, some, sideline things that sort of make you think uh but just on the field uh, just I, I again could watch him all day every day um and and sad to see him go excited for his future but college football is certainly going to miss guys like lynn bowden and, and malcolm perry for sure yeah i mean uh malcolm perry has uh he has keenan reynolds vibes right like keenan reynolds yeah, was insane but uh malcolm perry right there with him and they're kind of these guys, these guys are kind of leaving a uh, tradition at Navy, which is fun to to watch happen in front of our eyes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Arizona well, Bulls, oh, Zamir. Oh, I was I, I, I was I was gonna speak on a little bit of the other bowls just for a quick second. <laughs> um, you know, a, a, a sad farewell for Bud Foster, a legend in college football. Um, this was his last game on the sideline for Virginia Tech. Forty plus years in college football. Um, you know, a guy like that, you don't just replace. Um, but he's a legend in my eyes and probably in a lot of other people's eyes. But it was a sad way to see him go. Although, you know, to be honest with you, uh, also a bad beat in that game uh, with them recovering a fumble and taking it to the house, uh, making the scoreline 37-30 instead of 31-30 um, at the end of that game. So that was that. Uh, Florida State, Arizona State, um, eight turnovers. That kind of tells you how that game went. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nine, tur- nine turnovers to- total, but there was – one fumble from Arizona State that wasn't recovered. So eight turnovers. Uh, yeah, sloppy game, sloppy performance. And if I'm Blackman, to an extent, I would feel defeated because both times I've been at quarterback, my offensive line looks like you know they're uh, immune to blocking. So um, I'm getting killed back there. Uh, so I, to an extent, I understand what he's going through. But you're, you're right, as a quarterback, is t- you always have to keep your head up. But He's been knocked around for the better part of two full seasons. It's a great point. Um, yeah, the offensive yeah, so. line has been has been a problem, and that's uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Acres, uh, you know, made them look good uh, yeah. for a little bit, but they have been bad. That's a great point. There's a reason why he didn't play in that game, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. 100%. And then, that's fair. That's fair. 
That's fair. I, I, I do have a bone to pick with, and this has happened in several bowl games, I think three or four now that I've counted, with game-winning uh, plays at the end of games in, in Liberty Bowl, how the clock goes to zero, and I think three or four times now referees have gone back, changed the clock, and then uh, forced them to run another play, which in my opinion, just let it go. These teams have fully <laughs> celebrated. They've dumped Gatorade on their coaches. They've stormed the field, and you're like, "Yeah, there's a second on the clock." And you're just, "Are you serious?" <laughs> this this game means absolutely nothing to the, the to next year's season whatsoever. So, like, let it go. Uh, you know, that happened in this game. He kicks the game winner. The the clock strikes zero. He goes back and puts two seconds on the clock. I'm yeah, I don't know. Like, I I feel like you got to get that time right though, because if some miracle happens and Kansas yeah. State returns the kick, they're going to be all over Sports Center. Recruits are going to see it, you know, and, and maybe want to go play for Chris Kleiman. So, I I think I'm on the other end of that debate. So, I oh. I feel like if it if it doesn't go through through zero. I don't like the like those last couple seconds clicking off after the uh, the ball has gone through the post. Like you know, measure it up to then and rewatch it on replay and all that stuff. But just make sure it's right. That's all That's I fair. want. So and and then for the Arizona Bowl, I, I just have to say kudos to Wyoming. They they came out. That was a home game for them. Uh, the amount of Wyoming fans that came, I didn't even know existed. Uh, that was that was that, that was uh, a doozy to say the least, and and I flew home with most of them, so uh, that was fun oh, to see as well. That's depressing. Uh, but I, I would like to shout out to Dan Ellington, uh, the quarterback for Georgia yeah. State, to have played the last three games, four games, three three and a half games on a torn ACL. Um, played through every single one of them, and the quarter. And, and after talking to Sean Elliott, the head coach, um, there was an agreement there. If Dan ever wanted to come out, coach had no problem with it. Dan never asked out. They never asked us to take a play off anything. Um, and, and then for a guy to, to, to play three games, knowing that he has to play to give your team a chance to win on the torn ACL with his future, without, you know, thinking about the fact that, you know, he has a, somewhat of a future, whether that's CFL or the NFL um, later on, you know, you know, he, he, he put off surgery to, to, to help your team out and help your team get to its first bowl game and ultimately attempt to win its first bowl game. Kudos to you. And Scott, I tip my cap to the Texas Longhorns. Uh, <laughs> On 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 a on a bow on what has been an ugly Christmas gift for you guys this year, uh, <laughs> you know. As far as Utah's concerned, I don't like the narrative of they didn't care about that game, especially when this would have been Utah's first twelve win season in I don't know how long. Uh, at the end of the day, if you're a senior, this is your last game. You want to win it. And um, that's why guys like Zach Moss played. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and for them to come out with such a terrible, lackadaisical showing. Um, against a Texas team that Scott, you've said multiple times, and I haven't even had to, have been lackadaisical and inconsistent up uh, all throughout this season. It's just a sad way to see such a good crop of players and 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 a rev and a, a program defining group of players at Utah uh, leave like they did. Yeah, you asked me the question last night. It was funny because in the middle of because this game was a stomping from like the middle of the second quarter. I mean, it right. wasn't very close. You you said to me, "Does this piss you off that they had this much talent and didn't perform well, or are you happy because now they look good?" And it's a fair question. And what I said is, you know, look, Herman is calling all the plays in this game, so this makes me happy because maybe it was the play calling 
and firing both coordinators. A lot of the times I feel like that's scapegoating. Uh, and mm-hmm. Tom Herman is on record saying, I don't want to call plays anymore. I feel like I'm going to do a lot better as a head coach if I don't have that responsibility as well. And I agree with that. He's got recruiting to do, uh, all kinds of other stuff to do. So, um, you know, not calling plays for him is a big step, but he called the plays in this game and they beat the crap out of Utah. So maybe it's just something right. that he's going to have to, uh, wind up doing so i i was excited about that i'm not excited about how uh everyone's gonna put texas at like 17 next year and they're gonna be way overranked like they are every single season but uh you know it it, it comes with being a texas fan they're constantly overrated um i i do have a i have a point on on that i don't know if you guys saw this but i tweeted out last night uh during it. during the game uh that they they are they're in our top 25 right now. They're 23rd in, in our power ratings. And, and, you know, caveat to anybody if this is your first time, that does, that's not a projected, you know, order of finish. We don't necessarily right. think they're deserving of, of a top 25 rating at this point, but it's uh, team versus team on a neutral field who would be favored. And Texas right now is, is a top 25 team. They would be favored over uh, all but the top 22 teams or, or whatever it is. And based on what they've got coming back, they are going to be probably a top 15 team next year. It, it may be even higher, but I think that that's going to be in a lot of ways somewhat deserving. I mean, this, this is a team that uh, was too highly ranked coming into this year. They lost uh, so many players. They, they only had seven total starters coming back and and each uh fbs team on average returns basically a little just a a a touch under six offensive starters and six defensive starters uh that that's the average the fbs average and texas returned five on offense two on defense last year they lost over 60 percent of their tackling production uh from last year and, and the team that they've got coming back next year, they're going to have almost 80%. So they're going to have twice as much. Plus, they're going to get, you know, give or take six, about half a dozen guys who missed big chunks of the year, both on offense and defense. Uh, they're going to have seven starters back on offense, nine on defense, almost all their passing production, rushing production. They've got some concerns at receiver, but this is going to be a top 15 team. And, and it's not going to be, I mean, yeah, they certainly might, you know, uh, disappoint. We, we've seen any team is capable of that. Uh, and, and we have examples of when Texas has done that. But this is going to be a team that is worthy from a roster strength standpoint of a top 15 rating. Whether or not they actually go out and perform to that level, you know, remains to be seen. <laughs> and, and certainly, you know, they might make me look very dumb. I, I've looked dumb plenty. It, it wouldn't be the first time. So, uh, <laughs> but perhaps. <laughs> They're going to be a team that maybe gets this counter narrative of, oh, Texas, they're they're obviously overrated. And then maybe they're going to be a team that, that surprises people. Who's to say that, that Texas couldn't make an LSU type jump next year? It's possible. Right. You know, we, they're bipolar. We, I mean, they, they were this they, year, too. That Look, two of their five losses were uh, against teams that were in the tournament. They lost to LSU and they lost to Oklahoma, two top four ranked teams. And then uh, another one of their losses was on the road against Baylor. 
uh, a tough place to to play. And if they would have won, they had a shot at making the playoff. The other two losses weren't great. TCU and Iowa State both on the road, but they barely beat uh, you know they barely beat Kansas at home. Uh, right. They they were close against West Virginia. Uh, they barely beat Kansas State. So, uh, you know, uh, they beat the crap out of Louisiana Tech, who won 10 games uh, in the first game of the season. So, uh, like, I just – it's tough to pinpoint what the Longhorns are at this point. But uh, the talent is there. So having them ranked high is not going to be uh, very surprising. So you're absolutely right about that, Nick. Let's talk about the games that happened today. We're in the middle of the Rose Bowl, of course. Right now it's 10-7 Wisconsin over Oregon. Are you nervous, Nick? Uh, not yet, but Wisconsin's <laughs> driving. So, or they were. They don't have the ball anymore. Uh, <laughs> I've got one one eye on it every once in a while. But uh, no, not nervous quite yet. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll see. It's <laughs> yeah. t- tons of games left. There's still ten minutes left in the second quarter as we're recording. But uh, the Citrus Bowl, Bama pounded Michigan. Thank God, thirty-five to sixteen. Uh, just great to see it. Uh, love mm-hmm. to see Michigan lose. Uh, any kind. Of, well, really, Jim Harbaugh. I don't have anything against Michigan. Yeah, I just there really we go. Don't like Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and then Minnesota okay. upsets Auburn, thirty-one to twenty-four in the Outback Bowl. Huge game. For Mo Ibrahim and uh, John Tyler Johnson, uh, a, a outstanding game. Minnesota upsets Auburn uh, in the Outback Bowl. So a couple of great bowl games today, Nick. Yeah, and, and uh, pretty impressive performance by Alabama. They they uh, came out had a uh, you know Jerry Judy a, a just first play of the game. <laughs> what was it eighty? Uh, 85 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. And, and, but then at that point, uh, Michigan kind of took control for, for basically the the rest of the half and then hit a huge, uh, field goal right before halftime actually had to lead at halftime, but then, you know, second half adjustments or or whatever you want to say, but Alabama won the second half 21 to nothing. And and that is pretty impressive. And, and for Alabama, they had a couple of guys sitting out, but most of their, you know, headliner uh, guys that are considering perhaps the NFL draft, especially those receivers, played in this game. And Judy absolutely had a huge game. Smith, Devonta Smith had a, a touchdown as well. Henry Ruggs, I think, was he the one that got a little banged up? I, I was sort of had my attention uh, divided. Hopefully, uh, whoever it was, one, one of the guys got a little bit banged up. Hopefully, he's okay. But uh, Najee Harris had a, an excellent game. Uh, I think that he probably might uh, be a guy to jump. And then the talk during the game, you know, you you can't really necessarily base anything on what announcers are saying, speculating, all that sort of stuff, other than the fact that they've spent some time with these teams. But there seemed to be everybody was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, Tua might come back he just might come back maybe he should you know maybe that was sort of the feeling i got and if that happens man that that's something because we we just learned yesterday i think it was that dylan moses the preseason all everything linebacker who you know if if the draft had been held in august probably would have been a top 10 pick uh he's coming back to alabama not jumping to the nfl after missing all year with an acl so if they get a couple of these guys unexpectedly coming back, man, Alabama is, you know, 
they're they're not going anywhere. Right. Uh, but uh, but you know, good win for them. Way to respond after uh, a tough first half. Uh, where Michigan, you know, did did play really well early on, and and uh, good win for them. Minnesota, excellent win. Uh, saw something, you know, first eleven win season for them since nineteen oh four. Oh my which, god! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Nineteen oh four. So uh, that's uh, you know only a hundred and sixteen years ago. Come on. <laughs> They won a they won a couple of national championships early on in, in like the 30s or 40s, but yeah, this is this is an all time uh, season for Minnesota, and and they're going to be they bring back a lot next year. Even some of the the losses that they're going to have, they've got some guys uh, basically ready to to step up in in some of those spots. So expect to, to hear a lot about Minnesota in the future as well. But big win for them. Uh, certainly way to cap a, uh, a, an historic season. Uh, and I certainly don't think Auburn could use the, uh, wasn't motivated. Uh, they, they looked, you know, they looked just fine early on, but Minnesota was able to wear them down. Auburn just wasn't really able to get going offensively. There's a little bit of concern there, you know, it, it pops up every once in a while. They look amazing one week and then can't get it going the next week. So uh, I'm sure we're going to hear an awful lot about, you know, Bo Nix about the running game. They're losing five senior starters on the offensive line. So uh, Auburn is is certainly they could go either way. I, I could see them being an SEC West contender next year. I could see them maybe tech, taking a step back. So they're going to be a fun one to to talk about this offseason as well. Xavier, any thoughts on the game so far today? Have you got to see any of them or you've just been traveling all day? I, I've been on the road. I got to watch uh, a good bit of the Minnesota game, um, and and I was impressed. I think that Minnesota, uh, PJ Fleck has those boys going, and they can only go up from here. I think that Minnesota definitely has put themselves on the map, and, and what is a tough Big Ten, um, and, and it's it's crazy to think that there may be another Big Ten, you know, power cropping up. You've already got the likes of, uh, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State you know, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, and now you can get another one if Minnesota decides to continue on with this. Um, and they probably were the last team I would have thought would have been here. I would have thought maybe a Nebraska. Uh, but kudos to P.J. Fleck, and they ended the season off right. Auburn, once again, continues to be the most inconsistent team in the country outside of Miami. Um, I think that Auburn, you know, and this is why Gus Malzahn is, like, continuously on the hot seat. is because of performances like this. When they need big performances – and you can literally look throughout the entirety of their season. When they need big performances, they don't get them um, outside of the Iron Bowl. And, and it's it's unfortunate because I think – I like Gus. I think Gus is a guy who gets a bad rep for winning nine and ten uh, – for getting nine and ten wins every year. Uh, but it's unfortunate. Um, as far as Alabama is concerned, I think they woke up. I think Alabama came to this game kind of lackadaisical. Um, I think that in that first half, they got punched in the mouth by Michigan and, and Nick Saban went in there. And said some words I, I won't say on this podcast, <laughs> and uh, and they woke up, and and they you know they did what they handled their business. I heard the same things you heard, Nick. If Tua does come back, this team is going to be loaded. I don't think I realized how many of these players aren't seniors and have the ability and the eligibility to come back. And uh, man, if Tua comes back and is eighty five percent of what he has been throughout his career at Alabama with the talent that he has around him, that is frightening. That is that that is nightmare inducing. So, uh, you know, hopes they go to the league. If, if, <laughs> if you Georgia guys, plays them next year, 
<laughs> if you guys were picking one outstanding performance from the games that we've gone over so far, and we're about to go over the the five games before the national championship uh, that we have left to talk about too, but if you had to pick one performance from uh, the bowls that we just talked about, what would be the one that stands out the most to you? And we'll start with you, Nick. I think I think Lynn Bowden. Uh, just that's the first that jumps to mind. Just that the things he did this year where he was a, an all-SEC caliber receiver, but gave his team a better chance to win by stepping in for an injured quarterback, and the offense just took off. And, and the, you know, what they, do, what they were doing all year, uh, teams knew exactly what plays they were going to run. They know it's going to be, you know, they were probably something like 80%, uh, if not higher, rushing uh percentage so i mean the tendencies are just you know you know what's coming but they just couldn't stop it couldn't stop him uh he he was just so impressive the way he put that team on his back basically that the you know last uh three quarters of the the season very impressive and and to cap it off with a bowl uh performance 200 rushing yards and then throws a perfect pass for his last uh, you know, last time stepping on the field, and, and you mentioned Xavier Bud Foster at Virginia Tech. Unfortunately, that was the last uh, play his defense uh, played for him was was giving up a touchdown pass to basically a receiver, uh, which you know is, is unfortunate for him. But you know, Bowden just just incredible uh, performance in this game and, and all season. He's the one that stands out to me for sure. And Xavier, what what would you pick? It's got to be Chase Garbers, and, and I think I paid attention mostly to this game because of how much trash Scott was talking about him coming to this ballgame. <laughs> um, when, when you look at a, a kid who last year in the bowl game had three interceptions and only and his only touchdown came on the ground, and for this year, for him to completely reverse that, have four touchdowns through, through the air and 272 yards, no interceptions, um, and although he had negative yards on the ground, that was mostly due to sacks. That's a complete turnaround. Like you guys are saying, if Chase Garbers can continue this into next season, this is definitely something that he can, you know, boost and, uh, and take as a confidence booster going into next year. California is a team that is sneaky. Uh, the Pac-12 is not uh, does not have an amazing amount of talent coming back. We, we know Easton's leaving. Herbert is leaving as well. So the Pac-12 seems to be wide open. You know, Huntley's gone from uh, Utah, and, and the next crop of Pac-12 quarterbacks has to arise somewhere. And will his Garbers take this as a as a leap into that position? Um, if he can play like he did against uh, the Illini, we'll see. Yeah, I think you know Malcolm Perry having a big game was a lot of fun. But Lynn Lynn Bowden is the one that sticks out for me as well. I mean, thirty four carries, two hundred thirty three yeah. yards, and two scores plus the touchdown. Uh, Chase Garbers, a lot of fun. And I feel like I was saying more about how. Cal was a different team with Chase Garbers. Was I really talking smack? I might have been talking smack about the bowl. Game. You said it was. You definitely said this could be a bowl game that finishes like seven nothing. Well, that but. was because Cal was involved in that game last year. <laughs> so, uh-huh. um, but but uh, you know there were some huge defensive performances too. We can't forget about Joseph Osai had six tackles and three sacks against Utah. 
uh, who's supposed to have a very good offensive line, just didn't look great. A.J. Epinesa had three tackles and two and a half sacks. Uh, DeMar Hamlin for Pitt had 11 tackles and, a, and an interception. So there's some big-time defensive performances, too. And, you know, just a lot of wideouts performing well. Tyler Johnson having 12 catches for 204 and two. Jerry Judy, six for 200. Maurice French, 12 catches. And like Nick mentioned before, Lucky Jackson with 17 catches. So a lot of fun performances. Performances. Uh, are you guys ready to go talk about the the bowl games that are coming up? Method fire. Yeah, I, think, I think Xavier's got to get out of here and uh, and uh, either okay. are you are you working? Is it is it uh, for work or pleasure? And this is pleasure. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm so he's gonna he's gonna be rooting for for Georgia. So we got to get him got to get him out of here. All right. <laughs> so Cincinnati and Boston College in the Birmingham Bowl. Cincy by seven. Boston call or the uh, over under is 55 here. No AJ Dillon for Boston College. I like Cincinnati. I think this is a Cincinnati butt kicking. Uh, what do you think about that one, Nick? Uh, yeah, we're, we're big on Cincinnati. This is one of our, our biggest edges of the bowl season. And part of it is AJ Dillon's not going to be there. Uh, that's certainly unfortunate for Boston College. Uh, understand his his decision certainly, but uh, that brings their roster strength number down to 113th, which is uh, I mean Cincinnati's 59th. So it's pretty rare for a G5 team to have such a, a huge talent advantage over a uh, Power Five opponent, but, but that's what we've got here. And Boston College just fired their coach you know you never know how that's going to play out on the field in a bowl game like this uh david bailey looks like an aj dillon clone so he's certainly capable of doing the same things that dillon has done but uh you know having just one of those guys is, is certainly uh not as good as is having both so we see cincinnati uh, pretty big in this one 27 tens are projected uh final score xavier how do you see that a Birmingham Bowl playing out. Yeah, I think that Cincinnati is by far the best team here. Um, obviously, when the best player on your team is not playing, that's going to hurt a lot. I was about to go on a whole spiel about how I thought A.J. Dillon might be able to carry his team like he's been doing his entire career at Boston College. But Cincinnati just has too much talent. And they're going to finish off what has been a really good season for them uh, with 11 wins. So, uh, Going over to the Tax Slayer Bowl. We have got Tennessee and Indiana. Uh, Tennessee is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. 51-and-a-half is the over in this game. No Jawan Jennings. He is suspended for uh, the Volunteers in this one. And Indiana, obviously down Penix, who they've been down for a while. But how do you see this one playing out, Nick? Uh, is is Jennings out the whole game, or is he just suspended that first half? Um, I, I, The thing that I'm seeing is it just says suspended, so I'm not 100% mm. sure. I, th I think that was the first half for when he, he stomped on a Vanderbilt player. Uh, but either either way, I mean, he's he's been uh, the best player on that offense for for you know certain points in the year and, and late in the season. Uh, so that'll be a, a big you know uh, that leaves them shorthanded for that first half. Gives Indiana an opportunity. I've been pretty pre pretty impressed with Indiana this year. They rank 27th in our team performance ratings, which is a few spots ahead of Tennessee. Uh, pretty incredible to think that Tennessee climbed their way all all the way to 35th in team performance after that uh, just horrific start uh, from what they expected. But uh, uh, Tennessee's got a major 
talent advantage. They're 12th in roster strength, Indiana 66. So we see Tennessee winning and covering should be pretty, you know, pretty close. Uh, certainly think that both teams are going to be excited to be there, but we have Tennessee winning 28-24. And you're right. It is just the first half. So yeah. Uh, Xavier, are are you on the the Tennessee bandwagon as well? You you will never see me t- take Tennessee <laughs> in this podcast. That is against my religion. Um, I am picking Indiana here to win, and I guess an upset fashion. You're right, Nick. Nobody expected Tennessee to be here after losing to BYU and Georgia State early on in the year. So I will give them kudos and credit for getting to a bowl game. Uh, solid job. But this Indiana team for me has been an impressive team. This is a team who only lost to Penn State on the road by seven points. Um, and, and really gave them a lot of run for their money, especially early on in the first half. Um, I think this Indiana team will get after Tennessee. I think that uh, Tennessee is going to miss Juwan Jennings. He's been more of a safety valve um, and a go-to guy. And, and without him for the first half, this allows Indiana to kind of jump on them early. And Tennessee's offense isn't known for being explosive. Uh, so it's going to be tough for them to come back if uh, Indiana is able to get out to the start that I think they will. Uh, all right, let's go over to the Idaho Potato Bowl, where Ohio is a seven and a half point favorite against Nevada. Uh, by uh, in fifty nine is the over here. I don't know how Nevada stays together in this game. They've had uh, real problems offensively uh, for uh, a lot of the, this season, specifically mm-hmm. figuring out who is going to play quarterback for this squad. Ohio, uh, you know, we, we know we've got Nathan Rourke. So I, I think Ohio wins this game kind of going away, Nick. Yeah, this, this is our biggest edge, uh, as far as the bowl season goes. And, and it's really weird. I didn't, I didn't realize it. Uh, I had been impressed with, uh, Nevada at certain points in the year. I mean, this team beat San Diego State. <laughs> they held San Diego State to to 13 points. Uh, you know the mighty Aztecs that put up uh, 40 plus in the bowl game, as you mentioned earlier. They beat Fresno State. They they uh, beat San Jose State in a shootout. Uh, they've just been they've been so hard to to pin down. You know what are they going to look like? Because they also lost to Oregon 77 to six. They lost to Hawaii at home 54 to three. And, you know, what? (laughs) and you're right. I mean, the quarterback play has been part of it. They've had injuries. They've had some inconsistency. They, you know, had a guy come in, make a couple of starts, and then uh, they decided that he was going to sit the rest of the year to work on academics. Uh, They've been very difficult to pin down. But looking from a numbers perspective, Nevada is the worst bowl team this year. (laughs) Uh, They rank 123rd in roster strength. They rank 104th in team performance. They rank 117th in the country in net yards per play. They've been outgained by over a yard uh, per play on average. Uh, Jay Norvell has done some really, really good things. Uh, He has has gotten this team to seven wins, but, you know, even that, he, he ranks 89th in head coach rating. So, you know, going up against Frank Solich, who always seems to have his team playing, you know, higher than their, uh, than you would expect based on their talent. And Nathan Rourke, yes, his last game, you have to expect uh, that he's going to go out and, and put together a, a good performance. And uh, Ohio ha- has done some really good things. I mean, they, they uh, rank 34th in net yards per play. So that that's a huge gap there. Uh, we have Hawaii, uh, uh, Ohio winning pretty easily, 33-21 in this game. Nevada, they're, they're you know, talk about a bipolar team. They, they've been somewhat bipolar. So they certainly could come out and, and have 
the performance of the year and, and win this game. Uh, it would not shock me, but uh, for our numbers to be so heavy on Ohio, who ranks 108th in roster strength, uh, was a bit surprising to me, but but that's what it is. We give the Bobcats a pretty big edge here. Xavier? Part of me wants to go ahead and pick Nevada just to pick against the numbers right here. Um, but I don't think I'm that crazy. I think I'm going to go with Ohio here. Uh, Nick has made a very compelling argument for the Bobcats and a very non-compelling argument for Nevada. <laughs> um, I think Ohio goes ahead and wins this game uh, for all the reasons Nick has said. Uh, going- so Nevada's probably going to uh, yeah, there's yeah. just no way yeah. I can't I don't I don't see it happening so uh, let's go over to the Armed Forces Bowl where Tulane is playing Southern Miss Tulane is a seven point favorite 56 and a half uh, it's funny that this is a half point difference and I feel like this game is going to play way way closer uh, than the Idaho Potato Bowl we just talked about I, I think I still like Tulane uh, in this one but um, I think Southern Miss can make this closer than seven I agree, and the numbers agree. And uh, I wrote about this one. If, if you want to see more uh, in depth, I wrote about this one for Athlon Sports this year. So uh, the final score prediction: we've got Tulane winning by a field goal, thirty-one twenty-eight. But the the most fun thing for me, I think, um, is this is an old rivalry series, and and they haven't played since two thousand ten. But they, you know, went. So, you know, wherever it was in the uh, the basement somewhere, they, they picked up the bell. Uh, Southern Miss is, is in possession of the bell. This is the Battle of the Bell. They started playing in the 70s, I believe, uh, and painted it, gave it a new paint job, and, and they're going to play for it here in addition to whatever the, the trophy is for the Armed Forces Bowl. So kind of a, an interesting new layer to it. But, yeah, we've got Tulane. Uh, favored in this, they've got an edge in, in pretty much all, all four of our major categories: roster strength, team performance, uh, head coach, and, and net yards per play. So, uh, do think that Tulane, very senior laden team, especially on offense, uh, is going to be able to get it done and, and get a winning season, winning record for uh, Willie Fritz and, and the Green Wave. Yeah, I I really like Tulane in this game. That's really cool, Nick. I didn't know that at all. I'm guessing this is back from the Conference USA days. Um, uh, a little bit before when they were independents okay. but then carried over into Conference USA, yeah. Gotcha. Um, I really like Tulane. I think Tulane was a, a team that I really liked to watch early on in the season, and I felt like they ran into a buzzsaw. Um, just to kind of give you guys a layout, they started off the season 5-1, and one, um, and then they ran into number 17, Memphis, number 23, Navy, uh, Temple, UCF, and SMU. If you know anything about those five teams, those were the top five teams in their conference this year. And I think that that has a lot to do um, with their record at being six and six. Their only other loss coming to number twelve Auburn in the second uh, second game of the season. So I think this Tulane team is battle tested and ready to play. I think that uh, if I had to pick based off of recent performances, Tulane has also played better uh, with Southern Miss losing their last two games to Western Kentucky and Florida Atlantic. Um, so I'm going to go with Tulane here um, and getting that bell back from Southern Miss. Uh, the last game we have to go over here is the Lending Tree Bowl. It is Louisiana Lafayette by 14 over Miami, Ohio. I don't know how this isn't the biggest edge because Miami, <laughs> Miami, Ohio, I, I don't know how they keep hanging around. They're like a roach of this year. 
Like they should have lost their their conference championship game. They didn't, so they somehow got a bowl game. And I think Lafayette is going to put up like a thousand rushing yards on them. So I, I think that this is a easy Lafayette win. So Nick, how do you see this one playing out? Uh, my 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 heart is with you, and I that's that's my eyes. I should say, I guess are are with you, and and I personally agree that Louisiana should win this one really easily. Been very impressed with the Raging Cajuns at different points this year. They rank 15th in the country in net yards per play. They've been outgaining their opponents by uh, one and a half yards, over one and a half yards per play. Uh, very, very impressed. I mean, that that's, you know, top 15 in the country. That That's, you're getting into some pretty uh, great company when you're when you're up that high uh team performance they're they've been a top 40 team so this ull team is is very very good you're absolutely right about miami they <laughs> roster straight they rank 120th in the country i mean there's just nothing really that that scares you they've been outscored uh by three and a half points per uh per game this year yet they've somehow won eight games so uh really really don't see this being close. However, our numbers give Miami uh, a chance to cover. Uh, we have it 34-21. Uh, I think that ULL's running game, uh, I agree with you, Scott, is probably just going to be too much, going to wear down uh, the Red Hawks. Uh, that, that's the way I see it, but I'm going to be rooting for Miami to, to keep it close and, and give us a, a win against the spread to, to finish uh, the non-national championship portion of the of the season. Uh, what what about you, Xavier? I mean, uh, any any chance for the Red Hawks? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 this 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 ULL team for me has been impressive all year. They had three losses on the year: one to Mississippi State, first game of the season, and the other two losses come both to App State, one in the middle of the year and one for the uh, Sun Belt Championship game. Uh, this Louisiana Lafayette team is far better team, far the better team, and uh, they'll show that on the uh, on the sixth of January. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what What about? Uh, I mean, is there anything else to pull away from these games? Anything else we need to say before we go into? You know, we only have one game to talk about after this. I mean, we'll review the Sugar Bowl and and the Rose Bowl, of course, next week as well. Uh, that we haven't got to talk about at all here but uh anything else before we we let uh xavier can we drag him out a little bit more so it's uh closer to game time for him (laughs) hey it's 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 2020 i mean my my eyes are fully uh looking ahead these games are pretty much just a a minor inconvenience a distraction at the moment i'm 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 ready (laughs) i'm ready for august i don't know about you yet no it's it's i'm i'm really excited to to talk about the national championship game next week uh it's good to to for some of these you know g5 teams and and lower level power five teams to to get a spot you know uh, on their own basically uh after new year's day you know there'll, there'll be more eyes on these games perhaps than they normally would have been had they been in late december so uh i think we'll have some fun things to talk about next week 
for sure. And, and Xavier, hope you enjoy the game. And, and uh, if you happen to bump into Matt Rule, tell him hello for me. And, and uh, <laughs> I uh, will become before he becomes the head coach of the uh, New, York Cowboys Giants. And New York Giants. Oh, I hope not. Oh, man. But uh, <laughs> if he, he does. He declined a Browns I interview. That. I like that. So, well, I mean, I did too. And Xavier, he said he wasn't <laughs> interested. So, uh, uh, they know I'm a Steelers fan, so they didn't ask me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, before we, we get out of here, hopefully, Xavier, you're in the parking lot and you're just w- waiting to to leave your car <laughs> there but uh, uh tell everybody about the patreon and where they can find it and all that good stuff well if if you're interested in uh what we've got cooking for for 2020 uh hope you uh will check us out patreon.com slash cfb winning edge i'm going through team by team and it, it's taking some time but uh putting the final uh, games played, games started, making sure the, the depth charts are correct and any injuries we might have missed, stuff like that. Updating our, our 2019 FBS team profiles. Those are for our Tier 2 patrons. Uh, and uh, as I'm doing that, each team we're going through uh, and, and making those updates for 2020. And so our goal is to have uh, the new team profiles, 2020 profiles available to our patrons sometime in February, probably uh, shortly after the National Signing Day. So uh, any any uh, interest that you've got in those things, if, you, if you're uh, like me and can't, you know, can't help but look ahead to 2020, uh, we've got a lot coming for you and, and some new things uh, in the works as well, which we're excited about. So uh, patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge. Uh, join if, if you're interested in supporting us and, and uh, the, the more support we get the quicker we can get some of these things done hopefully get a few other helping hands as well all right well that'll do it for us remember you can follow us all on twitter at bogman sports at cfb winning edge and at xavier underscore trish uh xavier have a fun time at the game and we will see you guys next week take it easy everybody i will if we win